Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And we're going to be talking today uh, with Lori Smith, fourth grade teacher of Sumner Eddyville Miller Elementary, uh, so SEM Elementary here in Nebraska. And she has recently been recognized as a National Rural Teacher of the Year from the NREA. And so uh, really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about her story, about the school that she works in and the town that that district serves. Uh, and along with us today is also Jack Moles, Executive Director of Nurse who uh, is an individual I've had a chance to have on the pod before and work alongside with. And NERSA does such great work in our state in support of our rural schools. And so uh, just some great educators to have a fun conversation with today. And so I first off want to say welcome to Lori and to Jack. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you on the pod. And so um, let's do this. Jack, would you be so kind as to give us a little bit of a more personal introduction to Lori, who you've obviously have gotten to know uh, through this recognition? Yeah, each year at our spring conference, NERCSA, which stands for the Nebraska Rural Community Schools Association, uh, but at our spring conference in Kearney each year, we give out a number of awards recognizing people involved in rural schools for their efforts. And what we have is an outstanding board of education member, an outstanding superintendent, principal, uh, ESU staff member, a non-certified staff member. We also recognize three teachers. One is a secondary teacher, another is an elementary teacher, and then we have a music teacher. And last March, Lori was uh, recognized as NERCS's outstanding elementary teacher for 2021. Well, one of the things we do with that award, uh, with the three teachers, is we pick one of those teachers to be NERCS's nominee for the NREA National Rural Teacher of the Year Award. And uh, I was the head of that committee for about 17 years, and, and I always wanted to get one of our teachers to be chosen as the NREA National Teacher also. We just never quite got it done. And then in uh, earlier this summer, I got a call from Alan Pratt, the executive director of the NREA, and he said, hey, uh, uh, Lori Smith is going to be one of our finalists for the award, which really excited me. So he told me he would keep me informed of what was going on. And so then in probably about middle to late August, he called me back and said, well, guess what? She's our pick for the National Rural Teacher of the Year Award. So I, I was really pumped. Uh, really excited about that. And I went out as soon as I could within a day or two, I, I went out to SEM and met with, with Lori and her class there. And I'll tell you what, one of the things I always like doing as, as an administrator is just watching good teachers teach. And so anyway, I had an opportunity to sit in, in her classroom for about 20 minutes or so and watched her teach. And I will tell you, NREA made the right choice. She is an outstanding teacher, but but it goes past the classroom, which I think Lori would tell you that too. Uh, it goes past what you do just in the classroom. Uh, there's so much more to, to being a rural educator and a rural teacher. So Lori, uh, I will tell you, Nurks is very, very proud of you. And we can't wait to get out to Indianapolis in November. And Andrew, I actually be there with us to uh, hear your presentation out there. So congratulations. Thank you. I, in March, had no idea that I was going to NERCSA to get this award. I was going to NERCSA to um, sit on a panel to discuss 
data and how we have improved data in our school? Yeah, one of the things we do with our awards is uh, most often the, the recipients don't know they've even been nominated. And so what we do is we've got this worked out over the years where we work with the school to keep it a surprise and then we sneak their families in. And so Lori's family was there uh, when she received the, the award. So yeah, that, that's why she said she didn't know why she was at the conference. She didn't know why she was at the conference. <laughs> so when I got the award, I was surprised because like Jack said, I turned around and my whole family was standing there and I had no idea. So I was super honored by that to start with. And then in June, Mr. Pinky contacted me, my superintendent, and said that Nebraska had nominated me at the national level. And so I had about a week or two to get some paperwork filled out. And so I did that and hadn't heard anything and was so honored to even be Nebraska's elementary teacher of the year. And then to just be nominated at the national level by Nebraska was an honor. And so when I hadn't heard anything, I just, I did just was honored to do it. And then I heard from Dr. Pratt at the end of July, beginning of August, that I was one of two finalists. I was ecstatic for my school and then interviewed on a panel of about nine people that were all over the United States, from Montana to Pennsylvania, from Indiana to Texas. And then Dr. Pratt said it'd be a couple days, probably Monday or Tuesday I would hear. And I didn't hear anything by Tuesday. So I just, once again, was honored to be a finalist. And then he called me on that Wednesday. So I was really excited for my school and for the state. Well, and I know we're all really proud having you represent us at the national level. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to your presentation as well, as Jack mentioned earlier. And what I hope to share in part with this story today for people that are listening to the pod uh, is just to get a little bit of a window into a small town. And as Lori and I were talking about prior to uh, recording today, I like to think of myself as coming from a small town. I came from a town of 3,000 people and graduated with under 100. Actually, I have a class reunion this weekend. Uh, <laughs> and so I love going back there and getting a chance to just kind of relive uh, a different pace of life than I live currently in Omaha. But as Lori pointed out, there's different sizes of small town and where Lori's at is considerably smaller than even the area I grew up in. So Lori, would you take a moment and kind of set the stage for us? Tell us a little bit about the area that your school district serves. Sure. SEM, Sumnerdyville Miller, is a, in Nebraska, it's a D1, D2 school. We have 200 people in one building, pre-K through 12. Sumner itself is about a little over 200 people. I believe Eddyville is a little under 100. And Miller is between 100 and 150, I believe. So you're still looking at less than 500 when you put all three communities together. And then we also have some option kids that come from Okano, which is about 20 miles west of us. We have option kids from Kearney, which is 30 miles east of us. And then we get kids from Lexington that's 30 miles south of us. So we have a huge area that we span, but there's perks to that. <laughs> Having kids all the way through from preschool to seniors, being able to collaborate. I was just in a meeting this afternoon, collaborating with elementary teachers, high school teachers, paras, guidance counselor, and the superintendent. And we do that once a month. And in a larger district, it's going to be real hard to get your superintendent to come once a month for two hours to collaborate with teachers on how to make your school better. So there's a lot of perks in small schools. I've always been a small school rule teacher. I actually graduated from SEM and I taught preschool and third grade when I first came to SEM and then for the last 13 years I've been in fourth grade. So 
small school girl my entire life. And I wouldn't change it for anything. And you speak there a little bit, not only from personal experience as a learner yourself, but obviously as an educator. And the piece that you mentioned prior to that was about a little bit of the, the collaboration piece. And so I, I might want to press into that a little bit further and ask, how does that work grade level to grade level? What was the nature, I think, even of the conversation that a fourth grade teacher is kind of together with the superintendent in high school, right? Like, uh, Walk us into the, that world, I guess, and why those collaborations exist and how that's beneficial. Well, I can tell you today it was a collaboration all the way. Some was scheduled, such as the MTSS meeting this afternoon. But at lunch, the fourth, fifth, and sixth grade teacher just walk, I mean, I'm the fourth grade teacher, the fifth and sixth grade teacher walked in and we collaborated about a student in 10 minutes. And you just don't get that. And the benefit of that is next year, I mean, I've had that student, one of them has that student now, and another one will possibly have that. So there's that continual flow that you don't get. And the same thing with our meeting this afternoon. I mean, we were discussing students as sixth graders that are now in high school, and I'm able to have value in that conversation because I had them, I know them, I saw them as fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Now they're in the high school, we're still collaborating on that. And in a larger district, such as a class A school, you're not gonna be able to get the elementary with the middle school, with the high school, with the superintendent and your guidance counselor to discuss how to make something better for a student or a class or your school as easily as you are in almost like a one-room school compared to a, a big city. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And that obviously means that as educators, you know every student and you know every student's name. And I'm sure as they're walking through your halls, that's something that is kind of always there and ever present is that as people make their way through, if, they, if they've gotten to fourth grade, you probably know who those, and, and they have to feel that too, right? Like from the learner standpoint. Well, and I have a different perspective on that also because I have children. Well, I have one child left in the school. My other two have graduated from SEM, but I still have a daughter that goes to school here. So I have a totally different perspective with those kids because I'm not just Mrs. Smith, but I'm Josie's mom. And so that gives it a whole different dimension and a whole different relationship and a whole different trust. Yeah. And so with that, then so we're talking about relationships and we're talking about the collaboration that can happen. What are some of the other uh, built-in benefits of having just a, a little bit smaller learning community at your school? Relationships is my biggest thing. I've not always been a good relationship teacher. I was that teacher that just, I wanted my data to improve and I did the curriculum the way it needed to be done. I showed up because I knew I wanted my paycheck didn't always stay late, those kind of things. And then in 2003, that changed for me when I lost a student in an accident. And I'm going to talk more about this in Indy, but when you spend the last eight hours of a six-year-old's life with her and in five minutes, that child's gone from when they left you, um, sorry, it changes the way you look at those chairs that are on my desks right now in my classroom. It sorry. Um, no, you're it, fine. it changes the way you approach a student. And I am a firm believer now that 90% of a child's grade is the relationship with their teacher. And the 10% comes once that relationship's built. Is that always easy? No, absolutely is not. Um, I had a student last year that came in because also in rural schools, you get a high mobility 
they move in, they move out, they move in, they move out. And I had a student come in and I want to say it was October, maybe really hard shelled, really, really hard shelled, angry at the world, had had some tough things happen in life and didn't want anything to do with me. And that's a great way for me to say, yeah, we're going to build a relationship. <laughs> you just wait because we're going to get there. Um, and I even had this child say, I, I don't even care if you like me. And I just said, I don't care if you don't like me, but I like you and I'm going to be here every day liking you. And I'm going to be every here every day showing up for you. And I'm going to do everything I can to make you better so that when you leave here, you know, it's okay. And you're going to be okay here from eight to three 30 every single day because I'm going to be here showing up every day, no matter what. And it did not going back into the collaboration. Um, it wasn't just me. And another perk of rural schools is I met with our music teacher, our band of music teacher, that's pre-K 12. And he's amazing. And this child just needed a really good role model that he knew was not going to leave him. And so I met with the band and music teacher and we sat down and we kind of formulated how we were going to work to build this relationship with this child and the kiddo, we cracked him. I mean, we cracked him. It wasn't easy every day. He still got upset with us, but I was starting to get the, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith. I know you care. And right back at him. You know, I said that right back. I care every day. That's why I'm here every day. I'm going to show up every day. I'm not leaving you. And, um, went on and was in the fifth grade this year. And that teacher, because of the collaboration that we have, knew the backstory and started in August where I left off in May. Whereas if you're in a bigger district, that's a little, I'm not saying that doesn't happen in bigger districts. It's just a lot more difficult to do, but this child's moved away again. And so, you know, we just talked about the student the other day and we hope that the seed was planted, that not everyone is against you and that people do believe in you. That's part of the strength of the small schools. Uh, you know, I spent my whole career in smaller schools and just that that one-on-one -on -one time with kids, I just love that part of, of what I did in that time. And like I said, when I was in Lori's classroom, I, I knew they picked the right person because I could see that, that relationship with all her kids. Uh, it certainly is ringing true in our conversation here today, and I'm really grateful and moved by some of the stories that you're sharing here, and just really thinking deeply about some of the things uh, that you mentioned. You know, one of my favorite quotes uh, is that whole idea that legacy is going about the business of planting trees under which whose shade you do not intend to sit. And I, I like that idea and see that in what you're talking about with that fourth grader that became a fifth grader that became someone that might not walk through your halls again. Um, uh, you certainly planted a seed, right? And it's hard, I think, sometimes for us as educators when we don't know where those stories play out. And so I, I'm going to ask this, though, too, and say, coming from a smaller town, and I grew up where my dad and my grandfather coached football together. And as a little kid, I ran into a lot of their former students much more frequently than I would say my children run into uh, former students of mine here uh, in Omaha. And can you kind of like maybe speak to that piece too, that over a long enough career, as you start to see, again, whether they go on to high school or they come back and they invest in the community, what that means and how rewarding that can be. I actually have a student who is a teacher now, which I'm like, hmm, I'm really that old to have, <laughs> have done this this long, but she is a teacher now. And she sent me a message that she teaches because 
I taught her and she wanted to do what I did. But that also goes back to why I do what I do. Like I have an aunt that taught at Carney Public for years. And when I watched what my aunt Cindy did, gets me too, sorry. I wanted to, I wanted to be her. I wanted those kids to know that no matter what happens outside the walls of this classroom, you have someone here that believes 100% because something else I'm going to talk about in Indy is that kids come to school, whether you're in a big city or you're in a small school, kids come to school with bricks in their backpacks. Okay. And what I mean by that is my daughter comes to school, probably with a brick in her backpack from something that happened with a friend the day before or something like that. But she doesn't come to school with a brick in her backpack because she hasn't eaten since she left school yesterday, or she doesn't come with a brick in her backpack because mom screamed at her as she ran out the door this morning and she just wanted out the door. So all kids come to school with bricks in their backpack, whether it's one or a million. And I want kids to know when they walk through these doors that I'm going to give me those bricks for the day. And you just be a kid. You just don't worry about it. Like I tell my kids in here all the time, your job is to have fun and learn. My job is to worry. My job is to make sure it's okay. I had a student today that couldn't find, he couldn't find his reading paper and he couldn't find his pencil with his grip on it. And he was just all worked up. And I said, Hey bud, it's okay. Remember? And he goes, I know you worry. And I just learned. And I said, yes. And he came back and I had found the reading paper and I had found the pencil and he said, you were right. And I said, yes, let me worry about it. Cause I can get you another paper. I can get you another pencil. So just being that teacher that can let kids know from eight to three 30, no matter what happened from three 30 to eight, it's going to be okay in here. No matter if, like I said, they're like my daughter and they come with one brick or they come with a thousand, like this is a safe, fun place. And my job's to worry and your job's to be a kid and learn. Uh. I am so grateful that you're willing to share in this format, your story and your heart for that. Uh, because I, I think it's always needed in our profession. I think it's especially needed at this time. Haven't had the opportunity to work with teachers pretty consistently over the course of the last 18 months. It has been so hard. Uh, and it's been so hard because the weight that we bring as far as our bricks, <laughs> I think have, I don't know, stacked up on our cape and like kept us from being able to be the super teachers that I think we're, we're capable of being. And I believe that the remedy to a lot of that is to get back to creativity, get back to our why, get back to the heart, get back to thinking about students and, and being able to do that consistently. And, and it's hard. Um, so it, it's not an easy pivot to those things, but I appreciate our conversation today because I feel moved in a way that I hope others do too, that would help them to lean into that when things are challenging, because that, that's so much of what makes this profession rewarding is that relationship piece and, and viewing it through the lens of what you're talking about there. So Lori, thank you for that. That's terrific. Yeah. And I do something in my classroom because I feel like a lot of times to, to build the relationships, we get so caught up in state standards, state assessments, what's your data showing. And I love data. Like anyone here will tell you, I'm a data nerd. I love it. But I do something in my room every morning. And now my fourth graders have gotten to the point that if my old lady brain forgets it, they remind me. And it's just called today's talk. And we do it at the beginning of our day. We eat breakfast. We get our fix-its done that we need to do. And we do today's talk. And today's talk was, what's your favorite thing about recess? 
and I go around the room and it takes five minutes. Like I know now that I have a student in my room that does not like recess. Cause when I got to the student, the student said nothing. I go, you don't like recess? Nope. I said, okay. But now I know that. So when I'm out there or if I'm in my room, cause I'm right next to the playground, that gives me some insight to watch that, to look through that lens of that kid. And why is it that a 10 year old doesn't like recess? What's happening? Like, and there's some of them are like that. And some of them are just, one of them is what's your favorite food? And my fourth graders will tell you, Mrs. Smith does not like spaghetti. And they think it's the funniest thing that someone in the world does not like spaghetti. And so whenever we do lunch count and it's spaghetti, someone will say, you don't even like spaghetti. So just making me human also, um, like I said, before we started it, my daughter's going to cross country and my kids have asked me about that state cross country. My kids have asked me about that numerous times this week. So me, not just being Mrs. Smith. And I can remember thinking my teacher lived at school and I hope these guys don't think I live at school. Like, I hope they see me as Mrs. Smith, the person, not Mrs. Smith, the teacher. Well, it comes from putting yourself in a place of a willingness to be vulnerable and authentic consistently in small moments too. Like you said, in five minutes uh, time here and there, you know, you obviously don't want to <laughs> have this cathartic moment where I'm going to vent to you children for 30 minutes. Please listen. Uh, no, but more so uh, like an opportunity really for them to have that little window. And then for you then to ask the same of them and, and in a way that helps you to see them and then to see you so that, yeah, you aren't the marionette that hangs on the back of the door and comes back to life when they walk in the room the next day. <laughs> so. And that goes back to when I interviewed for the national award, when I finished, I, I said to them, this is not my story. This is my student that I lost story and how she changed me. So it's not my story to tell because I'm not who I am because of something I did. It's a change I made a hard way that I hope through speaking in Indy that one person walks into a classroom and looks at those faces sitting in the chairs a little differently. Because I went from being, it's the end of the school year, I am waiting, why do I have to wait for you to get picked up? Oh, I have so much to do, to walking out of a building and not getting that opportunity to find out if they like spaghetti or not. I want to add to the point that you were just saying there from something that we talked about previously as well, and that you'd mentioned too, with regards to collaboration and this recognition being, you said, a product of your student's story that you then uh, became part of your story. But you said also that this as a recognition was really reflective of the whole of SEM elementary and as a district and a town. Yes, I would love to talk about my school because I tell lots of people that this is not my award. This is my school's award because you're only as good as the people that are rowing in the boat with you. <laughs> I am doing something differently in my classroom in a small group because my neighbor teacher came in and we're both working on our master's right now and she's taking a different class than I am this quarter and something that she had learned in her class. And I was like, whoa, like, so I've been trying that and I've seen some, being the data nerd I am, <laughs> seeing some numbers change. And I would have never done that if I wasn't working with the people I'm working with. It's just, it's a family at SEM. 
being a small school of 200 people, your school is your hub of the community. This is the only place other than the one restaurant we have in the three communities that people come and hang out together, I guess is what you'd say at a football game or a volleyball game or People get on our school's Facebook page and watch the eSports team. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people have stopped me this week and said, how's your daughter? What's she going to, what's her goal? What's, are they having a send off? Are they doing this? Or I just, just saw your daughter. I mean, you don't get that in the large district. You don't get, I mean, my daughter came home the other night from the game and she was like, mom, I had like 20 people come up and say something to me. Like it's a family. It's not people just congratulating her, it's her family congratulating her. It's just a different feeling. Well, and I can see Jack nodding here as you share that too. And I'm sure as the executive director for NERCSA and someone who gets to travel to so many of our great rural schools across Nebraska, Jack, do you want to speak to that too? I mean, you get to live it as well, right? In a variety of communities. Yeah. Well, first of all, I lived that my whole career in teaching. The biggest school I was ever in had 500 kids. But most of them were, uh, you know, 300 to, well, one school had about 120, 130 K-12. And we were truly family. Um, you know, I just went out to a celebration of life for a spouse of a teacher that we had worked with over the years, my wife and I, and, and all the teachers that were there and kids that came. And her husband, they knew who he was, but that was it. But they all came because of her. And, and the effect that she had on their careers and or their lives. And, and we have that all the time. I, I'm on Facebook for kids that I had in school and then friends that I've had in my career and, and then family. But it's really the kids that I had in school that contact me the most on Facebook. And I, you know, I really get to catch up on a lot of what they're doing in their, their lives. And so, as Lori said, you know, it, it's family. It really is family, and, and especially in our smaller schools. You know, everybody knows each other and uh, that's a good thing. And it can be a bad thing, but, but for the most part, it's a really good thing. Uh, you know how to best reach kids when you have that. Uh, but yeah, I get to uh, travel around to the schools in our state. Uh, I really enjoy that. We divide the state up into six geographic districts and I go out and meet with, with our members in each of those districts, mainly in the month of October. So I've been on the road a lot. But one of the things I do is go out to board meetings. Uh, most boards of education have their meetings on the second Monday of the month. And so I try to arrange to be at some schools on that Monday night. My record is four board meetings in one night. So, uh, but yeah, I do, I do two to four in a, in a night. And I really have enjoyed that part of it. Uh, but just stopping in and visiting in schools, you know, like stopping in SEM, you know, visiting there. And then on the way home, I just pulled into Amherst, which is the next district over uh, where my first superintendency was and, and uh, stopped in to visit with their new superintendent who actually taught for me at one time. And, uh, you know, seeing a few people there that I knew, uh, you know, that, that was fun. Uh, but I think people are appreciative of somebody from the outside stopping in and seeing them and especially somebody that understands their issues, which I do. I, I understand the issues in the rural schools. But I also understand the great benefits of those small schools, too. So. I really appreciate that we're getting a chance to spend a show here just sort of highlighting those benefits. And it so resonates with me, again, having grown up not quite as small, but still a pretty small school. And um, 
So that being said, typically when we get to the end of the episode, we afford the opportunity for our guests to share a parting message of sorts. Uh, and so if there's anything, Lori, that we have not covered, that we've not discussed or something you would like to impart uh, as we kind of bring things to a close, I just want to give you a little space to do that. Um, the one thing that I want to leave with people is just like I have said throughout this, the importance of seeing those kids as kids in a chair and not, not a data point, not a proficient or not proficient on the INSCAST test. They have a lot to bring. I mean, I get more from them than I can pour into them in a day. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I can guarantee you just the smiles I get. I could go on and on and on. Just building those relationships. Take the time. It takes me five minutes. It took me not even 30 seconds today with that one student to figure out that we don't like recess as a 10 year old. There's something going on there. Getting to know them. Well, I would encourage everybody to, yeah, take a little bit more time and to think about what the benefits are towards the academic piece that like you're talking about that pays its mm -hmm. dividends there, um, but also what makes it so special and rewarding for you is, as you mentioned, the teacher, but also for them uh, for years to come. So I got to say, Lori, thank you so much for your time. Uh, congratulations on your recognition. Uh, Jack, thank you as well. And uh, obviously, great eye for talent as you picked Lori for, to win at the state level here. And so, uh, you know, we, we've got nationally renowned educators in Nebraska, and it's just uh, it's awesome to be able to showcase that. And I do want to say thank you to NERCSA for this opportunity because it did start, I mean, it started with the nomination from whoever nominated me, I have no idea, into you picking me at the national level. And so I am very honored and I'm very humbled because I just come and do what I love every day. It's not even a job. I always tell my kids I get to go to school. I don't have to go to school. You know, I told you that I headed up that committee for years and and it was my favorite thing I did as an administrator was that committee, because when we started reviewing nominations, all we did in, it was usually in February, which is kind of a downtime in schools, you know, kind of a certain be a kind of a, a, you know, drudgery. And what my committee and I did is we sat down and read great things about great people. <laughs> and uh, really, I mean, it, it made all of us feel a lot better about things. And, and we knew that, uh, Rural was in good hands. <laughs> so, well, I, I see that to be uh, true for us here in Nebraska, just from our conversation today. So, thank you both for your time and enjoy your time in Indianapolis. See you there, Andrew. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>